Father God, we bless your name and worship you. Have your way in our midst, O God. May none of us leave the same. We just want to just thank God and bless his name. I think she might need help. I'm not seeing anything. Let's bless the Lord and worship him. Let's give him praise and glory. Hallelujah to Jesus. Let's bless his name. Just worship him. We make a miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. You are a way maker. We make a miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. He's the miracle worker. One more time, the way maker. Way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. You are here. You are here. Moving in our midst. I worship you. Worship you. You are here working in this place. I worship you. I worship you. Waymaker. Waymaker. Miracle worker. Promise keeper. Light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. Is he your way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper? Way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. Way maker, anytime you hear the name Jehovah or Yahweh, you are saying that he's the promise keeper. Oh, yes. Light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. One more time, we make a we make a miracle worker, promise keeper. Light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. You are here, you are here. Moving in our midst, I worship you. I worship you. You are here, working in this place. I worship you. I worship you. You are here. You are here, standing in our midst. I worship you. I worship you. You are here. You are here, working in this place. I worship you. I worship you. 
no other God besides thee. You are the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And you sent your son, Jesus Christ, Savior of the world, to die on the cross for our sins. There is no other God and no other way to you, O God, the one true only God, except through Jesus Christ. We worship you and we magnify thy name. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Glory to God. We may take our seats. Amen. God is kind. So we're going to conclude with determinants. Today is the grand finale or the grand finale or the conclusion of our series, the determinants. Let's go to our golden, golden or key text. Ecclesiastes chapter 9 verse 11. I returned and saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, neither yet bread to the wise, nor yet riches to men of understanding, nor yet favor to men of skill, but time and chance happeneth to them all. So like we always say, there are five determinants that would cause a blessing or promotion or prosperity hallelujah the five determinants are speed strength is the second wisdom is the third understanding is the fourth and skill is the fifth hallelujah but time and chance happeneth to them all so even though these are very important determinants Time and chance can change what the determinants can do. Hallelujah. Chance is the last determinant and, happen, and perhaps the most important determinant of all. The word chance means an occurrence or a happening. Chance, an occurrence or a happening. In other words, happenings and occurrences come to all men. What are the sources of the happenings in our lives? What are the sources of the events that unfold in our lives? Throughout the Bible, we know the sources of many occurrences and happenings in our lives. Very, very important. Hallelujah. You see some major happenings in the Bible and in different people's lives. Being born into this world, getting sick, having accidents, getting well, experiencing victory experiencing defeat, and even dying are not unplanned and unpredicted occurrences and coincidences. Oh, sorry, occurrences of coincidence. Hallelujah. So it means that there are so many things that happen in this world. Good, bad, 
the good, the bad, and the ugly. But nevertheless, oh, you see, th those things are happening throughout the world to good people and to bad people. Hallelujah. Amen. But time and chance happeneth to them all. God rules. Very important to understand that God rules in the affairs of men. Look at Daniel chapter 4 verse 25. But before them, many of the occurrences that shape the lives of mankind can be proved from the Bible to be things that were orchestrated by the invisible hand of God. Very important. There are many angels operating in the earth, causing things to happen that we can't see. On the outside and to the shallow thinker, all the events of this life look like unplanned accidents. By the revelation of the, this book, hallelujah, it's, it's amazing. When you look at the Bible, you realize that there is nothing like chance. Now, Daniel 4, 25, that they, they, okay, let's start from 23. Daniel 4, 23, thank you. And whereas the king saw a watcher and an holy one coming down from heaven, so they are watchers and holy ones, coming down from heaven and saying, hew the tree down and destroy it. Yet leave the stamp of the roots therein in the earth, even with a band of iron and brass in the tender grass of the field, and let it be wet with the dew of heaven, and let his portion be with the beasts of the field till seven times passes over him. Now, as we are in verse 24, let me give you a history. Hallelujah. <laughs> Nebuchadnezzar. Who was the king of Babylon, the first world emperor, the, the first world empire led by Nebuchadnezzar. He was a fierce, strong man. Many of the others conquered a lot. The Persians did a lot of conquering. Alexander the Great, he conquered almost the whole world. It was in India that he, he couldn't continue because of the elephants and different things. He just had to take it easy and died of either malaria or West Nile virus. And then his, his, his kingdom was divided amongst his four generals, all predicted by Daniel. Hallelujah. So Nebuchadnezzar, he had built a big kingdom, a wonderful kingdom, a, a, a vast kingdom. And one day, as he was walking, he was looking at all the things that had been built and said, wow, he was thinking about it. Look at the works of my hands. Look at my majesty and how great I am. And the Bible says that God heard it. And when God heard it, and the decree of the holy watchers and the holy ones and the watchers, they saw it. They said, this man, he's going to be driven from amongst men. And he's going to be insane. He's going to live among the beasts of the field. And he's going to eat with the beasts. He's going to be crawling around till seven times. Think about it. This is the interpretation, O king. And this is the decree of the Most High, which is come upon my Lord the King. Verse 25. That they shall drive thee from men, and thy dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. And they shall make thee to eat grass as oxen, and they shall wet thee with the dew of heaven. You'll be outside and the rain will whip him. And seven times shall pass over thee, till thou knowest 
till thou know that the most high ruleth in the kingdom of men and giveth it to whomsoever he will. Yes. Hallelujah. So it is very important that we know that whatever happens, it is the most high. It is God Almighty who rules in the kingdom of men. I was listening to uh, something uh, uh, Reverend Francis posted in his church about a member. Anyway, there's no time for that one, I'm, I'm sure. But very, very powerful about how the person kind of slipped into eternity, saw her body lying down in the hospital. And two men, of course angels, came and told her so many things. Now, she was doing some humanitarian stuff. She was doing some shelter work, giving, uh, 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 cooking for the shelters. She was doing shelter work, cook, cooking to, to feed the poor in the shelter. And when the angels, of course, there was prayer being done for her by uh, Lady Pastor Caroline, uh, uh, Reverend Francis. But as she was talking to the angels, it looked like the angels were telling her that because she's not finished her work, because she was doing her work and she hadn't finished it and it was not perfect yet, they were sending her back. And then the angel said, sometimes some people are sent back or not caused to die so that they can finish the work they have started. If, so meaning that if you and I are doing some good work for God, that pleases God in a certain way, that helps people, then God sometimes sends them back or preserves them. And those who don't do any of such things, there's no need. They just are taken. At least according to what she saw. But the Bible also makes it clear. Look at Psalm 41, verse 1 to 3. And I will continue. So what I'm saying is that the, the God rules in the kingdom of, heaven, of, of earth. So whatever we can do to touch God's heart, because he rules. It's like, a, it's, how many have watched Clash of, the, Clash of the Titans? You see how the it was like marbles. It was like a chessboard moving them around as the, the, the gods, in quotes, will. Zeus, he was just moving. Okay, no, he's been defeated. Let me move him. Let me give him some power. Let me take him from this, this problem. But God even does more than that. Even the hairs of our head are numbered. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Depending on how much you have. <laughs> the Lord will strengthen him. No, in fact, Psalm 41, verse 1 to 3. Blessed is he that considereth the poor. The Lord will deliver him in time of trouble. The Lord will preserve him and keep him alive. That's it. And she was doing a lot of work for the poor, even though she stopped it at a point. The fact that she was doing it and God knew that she would do it again. When she came back to earth, you, you cannot stop her from coming to church before everyone. You can't stop her from, from doing even more shelter work. That's why one day I was, <clears throat> I was upset with the shelter people. Because we would preach to them and they were not taking it seriously. This was in Cleveland. We, they were not taking it seriously. So I went there and as we were singing, the, the pe people were singing, Abigail, Antoinette and the others were singing. And I was about to preach. In my mind, I'm, I was saying that this is the last day. We are not coming here. They don't appreciate that. We are not coming. I was, I, was, I was mad. I was very upset. I was, no, no, no. Then, as some of them were crying and 
as they were singing and preaching and some of them were crying, then it, God spoke to me and said, I'm very pleased with this thing. I died for them. And I need them to be comforted and to, ex to know my love. So I, I love them and I died for them. So as you are going to this thing, it is pleasing me. It, it is what I want. That's the way I can show them my love. Then I said, this one, unless I don't know what will prevent us from going. <laughs> we started going till I left. Hallelujah. Because God rules. Look at Doc, look at look at Docas. In the Bible. Peter. The Bible says that she had uh, uh, in fact when she died, many of the widows were weeping. Were weeping, bringing the things she made for them. You, you understand? Weeping. This is what she gave me. This is what she did for me. Weeping. Because she gave much alms and she did many, many wonderful works for God. And God raised her up through Peter. God, the, the Lord will preserve him and keep him alive. And he shall be blessed upon the earth and thou shalt not deliver him unto the will of his enemies. Verse 3. The Lord will strengthen him upon the bed of languishing. Thou shalt, thou will make all his bed in his sickness. God will be the nurse. Ooh, glory. I said, God will be the nurse. God will nurse the person. God will be their physician. And God will nurse them to health. Hallelujah. All because God rules in the affairs of men. So anything we are doing for God should not be taken lightly. Because at the end of the day, if God is the one who decides when we will die, the Bible says that the boundaries of our habitation are set. The death date is set in heaven. But God is able to even prolong it. How do we know that? If God was able to say that, Hezekiah, you are dying this time, and it was pushed back, then it means that God can do change. He rules. He decides. Ahab was not supposed to die at the time he died. And Jezebel. But God said you will die early. Because of what you are doing. So some things we do can cause us to die early. Some things we do can cause us to live longer than we were supposed to live. God has promised 77 years. 70 years. And if by strength, 77, 80. But people live past that. So the promise is that as for 77 is 7, God will give. Hallelujah. But God can extend it depending on how, what we do. God can call someone. We met, some, we met someone uh, uh, on outreach yesterday. We met some people and they asked the question. They, they, you know what they said? They said that many Christians come there and point the finger. Yeah, it's because of a sin you've done, committed. That's why you are homeless. It's because of a sin. You, you have to repent. But you have to repent. Maybe the person who is speaking is even worse than the, the guy who is, is, is homeless. So he said he thought were those kinds. And I said, no, no, no. We, are just, we, don't, know, we don't know what you did. We are not judges. All we know is that Jesus is the answer to your problem. That's what we know. But what I was telling him was that once you have Jesus, you are okay. Because it is God who can take you out of this problem. Because he rules. He allowed you to be in this situation. Then Sister Emma gave a good point. That, what did, uh, 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 there was a man born blind. And then the disciples asked Jesus, Jesus, who did sin that this man was born blind? Was it he or his parents? And then Jesus said, 
neither he nor his parents were, were sinned that he was born blind, but that the works of God were manifested. Job 2 didn't do anything bad, and yet he got, went through trouble. So many Christians should stop thinking that someone has done something bad. That's why they are in a problem. Hallelujah. Sometimes because you are even doing something good, you can even enter into a problem so that you'll be able to pass the test, so that you'll be able to overcome the problem and be promoted. Hallelujah. Passing the test. Sometimes you ask myself, why am I experiencing this? Or why is this person experiencing this? I don't know, but we know that one day we'll be happy that we prevailed and we overcame whatever the problem is. <laughs> Hallelujah. So God rules. I said what? God rules in the kingdom of men and he giveth it to whomsoever he will. So Trump, President Trump, God, God destined him to be president. It looks like for four years. I, I don't need to prophesy. Like, uh, Pastor, we should be careful. Just say, I believe God says. 20, he's coming back to 10. Maybe, who knows, maybe they, they, they miscalculated the, the, the immediate term. It could be that he can come back and win. Who knows? But to say that he, 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 he won and you win immediately after. Anyway, the world, nothing is impossible. <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah. But what we know is that whatever the case, no one can be in authority unless God has placed them there. Hallelujah. The book Adnezer was placed there. Alexander the Great was placed there. Alexander the Great is who brought the Hellenistic uh, 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 culture. Hallelujah. And most of the countries had to learn a common language, Greek, so that Apostle Paul could travel and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Otherwise, the, the Jewish people, different languages, you can't relate. But Alexander the Great conquered and made Jew, uh, uh, Greek the, the common language so that he can move around freely and preach in different places. So God allowed it. That's why the angel, the angel, the prince of Persia, came to withstand the angel. And then when Michael came and just brushed him, the, the Prince of Persia aside, the Michael said, I have to go because the Grecian prince is coming. Right after he said that, Alexander the Great took over. So Alexander, who is called the Great, it was not by himself, it was ordained by God. Because right after the Prince of Persia came, then we had the Persian Empire, we know about that. Then the Grecian prince is coming, there's principality. All of a sudden, Alexander the Great comes on the scene. And conquers the Persian Empire. I don't know whether I'm making sense to you. Yeah. So God rules. God decides. It is not possible for me or for any of us to die without God approving of it. You, you, you can't just die. If you die, then God approved of it. He might not have been happy about it, but he approved of it, and there will be some good that comes out of it. But let's make sure that the good is, at least you also experience the good, not in hell. Because some people can be in hell and other people will benefit from it. Because no matter what, nothing happens by chance. Because someone could be, uh, you could be uh, uh, attending a funeral of someone who is in hell. But the preacher who preaches because of the person in hell 
will change someone's life. So someone who benefits from your, your going to hell, may not that, let that not be any of us, our story. <laughs> no, 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 no. In Jesus' name. <laughs> Hallelujah. Okay. Now, let's talk about the things that are controlled by God. What do you think? Number one, look at Luke chapter 12, verse 7. Luke chapter 12. Luca. Luke chapter 12 and verse 7. But even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, ye are of more value than many sparrows. So the growth of your hair is controlled by God. The minutest detail of our lives is controlled by God. Jesus gave the, the, the example that even the hairs of your head are numbered. So that shows that God is so possessive and so protective of us, so interested in us, so loving that he, every detail, a freckle, a, a, a pimple, every detail of our lives, he knows. He's interested in it. He's interested in every cell, every cell, every aspect of my life and your life. God is interested in it. So Jesus was saying, don't worry, because even the very hairs of your head are numbered. Fear not, therefore, for you are more important than sparrows that he looks after. He looks after the sparrows. He, he, he looks after them. So if he looks after them, the birds of the air, how much more you and I, who are so valuable to God, that Jesus' life was replaced for us. God saw it fit that I love the world so much that I'll sacrifice my son for this world. I will not withhold my son. I will not spare him. I would, I would, I would give him to be brutally killed and, and, and dismembered for you because I, I, I know the very detail I know your existence. I know everything about you to the extent that your hair. So you cut your hair, he knows it. You, your hair grows, he knows it. Everything, the very hairs are numbered. But he said the very hairs of your head are numbered. Hallelujah. I didn't hear that, but not there. I don't understand. Oh, the wig. No, 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 no. Wigs don't count. Extension don't count. Those don't count. <laughs> they don't count. Hallelujah. Number two, the birth of children is controlled by God. It's fantastic. The birth of children is controlled by the Lord. Let's look at Judges 13, 2 to 5. The birth of children is controlled by God. Judges 13, 2 to 5. And there was a certain man of Zorah, of the family of the Danites, whose name was Manor, and his wife was barren and bare not. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto the woman, 
Usually when you see angel of the Lord in the Old Testament, there's a pre-incarnate Christ or a Christophany. And the angel of the Lord appeared, because angel means messenger. Of the Lord appeared unto the woman and said unto her, Behold, now thou art barren and bearest not, but thou shalt conceive and bear a son. Now therefore beware, I pray thee, and drink not wine, nor strong drink, and eat not any unclean thing. For lo, thou shalt conceive and bear a son. <laughs> and no razor shall come on his head. For the child shall be a Nazarite unto God from the womb. And he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. Because the Philistines, what happened in the judges is that the child, God will deliver the children of Israel. Then they will forget about God and then go into sin. And then start to worship other gods. Then God will sell them. The Bible says God sold them to spoilers. What that means is that God just left them. You, you want to serve other gods, I leave you to them. And then the Philistines will punish them. The Philistines will control them. And then God will bring up judges to deliver them. Because they will pray to God. Does that make sense? So God delivers you. You forget about God. Then God sells you by leaving you to the gods you say you want. And your sin. And then the enemy comes after you. The Philistines attack you. The Philistines spoil you. The Philistines oppress you. And then you cry to him. And then he brings up judges. Deborah the judge, uh, Gideon, all those people were all because they cried to God. And God brought judges. And Samson was one of them. Therefore said his parents, he is of age. Oh, uh, okay, don't worry. I'll just... Yeah, we're going to verse 5. Oh, we finished it. Okay, I think we finished it. He shall be called a Nazarite unto God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hands of the Philistines. Very good. So, if you think about it, I mean, this just tells me that when things are good, I shouldn't forget God. Because when you forget God, why, why do people suffer? There are many reasons many i've preached a series on that many reasons some i don't even know because god will not god has not revealed it but yet and there are some things that are the secret things of god but one of them i know is to, to draw us closer to himself because anytime there is suffering there's fasting there's church uh, there's prayer there's drawing to God. So sometimes God allows suffering to draw his people to himself. And the Bible says that God has chosen not to refine us with silver or gold, but he has chosen the fairness of affliction to purify us. Because somehow, when people are afflicted, people are going through difficulties, somehow they turn to God. But there are some Christians who, when things are working for them, they get promoted at work. They start to do very well in life. Then God becomes second hand. When God becomes second hand, God is not going to cause the problem. But God is going to allow you to do what you really want to do. But by doing that, the devil comes in. Because there are only two. It's God or the devil. 
no in between. Jesus said, if you are not with me, you are against me. If you are not with me, you are scattering abroad. There's no in between. There is no in between. Hallelujah. No in between. So you are either with me or against me. I don't know whether you are getting what I'm saying. Very, very important. So anytime there's always a vacuum. There is always a vacuum. Even the law of conservation of energy, right? Energy can neither be created. Anyway, hallelujah, this is the science. But there's, energy can neither be created nor destroyed, but just for, turns into one another form of energy. I don't know how that applies, but what I know is that if you are not doing, if, if you are not doing something, something else will take your, its place. If you are not committed to God, another thing will make you committed to it, uh, itself. Even laziness, you'll be committed to laziness. And laziness is not of God. Because God always says, do not be lazy. Do not be slothful. So whatever happens, if you are not doing something for God, you will do something else. Yeah. Yeah. Nature abhors a vacuum. So it will be filled somehow. You will be filled with either good fruits or negative. Nature abhors a vacuum. So, we must fill our lives with things that will benefit us to the glory of God. If your time is not being spent doing something for God, it will be spent doing something not for God. Eventually. Because your time and your, the, the, the vacuum will be filled no matter what. I mean, if you have a container, air will enter. No, there's nothing you can do about it. Something will enter. Either God or good fruits or evil. With time. With time. With time. Someone can say, I'm not going to do bad. I'm just going to be in my house. I'm not going to do anything. Idle hands. But the devil will find work for idle hands. Yeah. The devil will find work for idle hands. Anyway, we're talking about children. The birth of children is controlled by the Lord. So you will see how the woman was barren or couldn't have children. But God intentionally caused her not to have children till a particular time. Because God is the one who decided it. Now you realize that Abraham's wife, Sarah, was barren. And then God, at his own time, was able to give Abraham seed through his wife. Then Rebecca, Isaac's wife, also the same thing. And the Bible says, and God remembered her. She was barren, and God remembered her and gave her a child. So father and son. Then Zechariah. John the Baptist's father. The mother, she was of old age, and the mother, Elizabeth, was of old age, and they were not really supposed to have children because she was barren. But God waited till six months before Mashiach came because John the Baptist, the, the firstborn, had to be the forerunner of Jesus Christ. So he couldn't have been born earlier. He couldn't have been born later. 
So God preserved her womb till it was time. So God, as for God, he rules. He rules. There is a time to be born. What do you think? Number three, the destruction of Jerusalem was determined spiritually and not by chance. Zechariah 1.12 Then the angel of the Lord answered and said, O Lord of hosts, how long will thou not have mercy on Jerusalem and on the cities of Judah against which thou hast had indignation these threescore and ten years? How long? How long? How long? Amen. And Jerusalem was destroyed. Hallelujah. What do you think? And when Jesus was on earth and saw how big and beautiful the temple was, there was no indication that there was going to be con confusion. There was no indication that there was, going, there, were, there was going to be almost like a war. There was no indication that there was going to be trouble between the Jewish people and the Romans. Everything looked good. And then the disciples saw the temple and said, Lord, how, look at how beautiful this temple is. Look at how magnificent the temple is. The temple was very magnificent. It was Solomon's temple, which was destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar and rebuilt by Herod the Great. Rebuilt by Herod the Great. Because it was destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar and rebuilt by Herod the Great. But nevertheless, it was still Solomon's temple. Oh, look at how beautiful it is. Then Jesus said, you see this thing you call beautiful? Not one stone will be left on top of the other very soon. There was no indication of that, but God had determined by his divine rights that the temple, because the people had forsaken God, the temple was going to be destroyed. And in AD 70, Titus, who was the Roman uh, 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 general who became the, the Caesar b b with Vespasian, Titus with the, uh, is it the, the legion, Roman legion, went straight to Jerusalem with the chaos there and burned the temple to the ground. And not one stone was left on top of the other. It happened in AD 70 history. That's why many feel, and I also feel that the book of John, all the books of the Bible were written before AD 70, which was, was 70 minus 33, so it was 7, 6, 5, 4, 37 years after Jesus died. So all the books of the Bible were written, the New Testament were written within 37 years. Because if John or any of the apostles where uh, 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 the Bibles were written when the, the temple was destroyed, they would have written it because that would also prove Jesus' prophecy. They would have written it, but they didn't write it because the books were all written before AD 70. I don't know if you get what I'm saying. Hallelujah. Number four, Ahab's death was determined spiritually and not by accident. So even dying, there are dead men walking, women walking. You can, somebody on the street might be walking, but dead. dead man, there's a movie, Dead Man Walking. Yeah, the person is dead, but walking. Spiritually, in heaven, you are dead. The person is dead, finished. But the person is walking. 
just like a car, when, it's, uh, when it stops, the engine stops. Or I remember there was a time, I don't know whether you were with us, but we were coming from a camp from Chicago. I was with Jerry, at least I know Jerry, from Chicago. As we were driving the rental car, the gas there was no more gas in the car. And we drove it. it, it in fact, the, the engine shut. The, the, you couldn't pump not, nothing. And then, by the grace of God, we were able to guide it with no power to the filling station and stop it right at the pump. So the car was still cruising and moving when power had ended. So the man or woman is walking around normally, but it's a dead person. And we'll give the example here. First Kings chapter 21. But none of us is that story. As for us, we are alive men and women. Men alive walking. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Jesus' name. Okay. So, First Kings chapter 21. Verse 18. I'll read from 18 to 19 and then 37 to 38. Okay. Arise, go down to meet Ahab the king of Israel, which is in Samaria. Behold, he is in the vineyard of Naboth, whether he is gone down to possess it. I believe most of us know the story. Ahab wanted to uh, a, a vineyard that which was beautiful that someone had, and uh, the person said, "No, I'm not going to sell it." And Jezebel, his wife, said, "You know what? G just leave it to me. Just give me the, your authority. Give me your seal. Leave it to me. I'll deal with it." So she bare false witness against Nebat, so that they will kill him. And then she said, "King, this is your land. This this is your vineyard. Take it. It's yours now." And then the word of the Lord came to the prophet. And thou shalt speak unto him, saying, Thus saith the Lord, Hast thou killed and also taken possession? And thou shalt speak unto him, saying, Thus saith the Lord, In the place where dogs licked the blood of Naboth, shall dogs lick thy blood, even thine. Hmm. Okay, now let's go to First uh, Kings 22, 37 to 38. It's a good story to read. Hallelujah. And then what they said about Jezebel. One's blood will be licked. The other will be eaten. There will be nothing to find. So the king died. And was brought to Samaria. And they buried the king in Samaria. Number 38. And one washed the chariot in the pool of Samaria. And the dogs licked up his blood. And they washed his armor according to unto the word of the Lord, which he speak. Now, let me give you another history. When this prophecy was told Ahab about he and Jezebel, God had a meeting in heaven. And God said, who shall I persuade to cause Ahab to fall or die? This in heaven. The Lord said, who, he, was, he had a meeting who can I persuade to cause Ahab to die? Then a spirit spoke and said, I will do it. God said, how? I will be a lying spirit in the mouth of the prophets. Then God said, go. It's very wild. God didn't cause it, but he allowed it. Just like people are deceived. God allowed it. Just like Job, God, Job and Satan enters into the presence of God. And God says, do what you want. Just don't touch the body. 
So it meant that the lying spirit per se was not necessarily, a, it cannot be a, 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 an angel of God. Because we know from Job that angels come and then the devil is also, also has an appearance with God. That's what the Bible says. And the devil who accuses the brethren before the Lord day and night. So he also has an appearance. So who shall I persuade? And then the, yeah, wow. You got it, girl. First Kings 22, 20. And the Lord said, who shall, I, who shall persuade Ahab that he may go and fall at Ramoth Gilead? And one, of the, and, and one said on, on this manner, and another said on that manner. The verse 21. And there came forth a spirit and stood before the Lord and said, I will persuade him. Let's continue. And the Lord said unto him, wherewith? And he said, I will go forth and I will be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. And he said, thou shalt persuade him and prevail also. Go forth and do so. Then, later on, what happened? So, he, he was dead. As soon as this meeting ended, Ahab was dead. Then, there was a war. And then, the king disguised himself. So that people will not believe he's the king. And then another one of his generals or soldiers pretended to be the king and wore the king's armor. But before then, the king asked all his prophets, will I win the war? The prophet said, yes, you win. Because of the lying spirit. Yes, you win. Then, when the, the king of, uh, I, I believe the, 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 the enemy I can't remember the Samarians, but the enemy said, look, do not fight with the great nor small. Just the king. So there was a time that they were, they, they, they were approaching, they saw the king's armor, they were approaching him to kill him. When they were just about to kill him, they realized that that's not the king. And they left him. They were only interested in the king. And then someone just shot an arrow by chance. Straight arrow. And kill the king. But it wasn't by chance. It wasn't a, 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 a happenstance or whatever. It was calculated because he needed to die. There, that was the place he was going to die. So this was like chance. They were pursuing. The, 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 the king said, do not fight with anyone. And it came to pass. First Kings 22, 31. But, and it came to, okay, yeah, good, 31. But the king of Samaria commanded his 30 and two captains that had ruled over his chariots, saying, fight neither with small nor great, save only with the king of Israel. And it came to pass when the captains of the chariots saw Jehoshaphat, that they said, surely it is the king of Israel. And they turned aside to fight against him. And Jehoshaphat cried out, I'm not the king, oh, I'm not the king, don't kill me. And it came to pass when the captains of the chariots perceived that it was not the king of Israel, that they turned back from pursuing him. And a certain man drew a bow at a venture and smote the king of Israel between the joints of the harness, wherefore he said unto the driver of his chariot, Turn thine hand and carry me out of the host, for I am wounded by chance. So, God determines those who die in meetings. And God determines this one, don't touch the person. This person is going to live till 90. Hey, Gloria, I see all of us in Jesus' name. This person, yeah, God determines it. John the Baptist was determined already that angels don't intervene. 
John the Baptist is going. He has to go so that Christ, he must decrease and Christ must increase. He's going. Hallelujah. I tell you. When he came to all the apostles, Ethiopia killed him in Ethiopia by the sword. James be, uh, beheaded. Uh, Paul beheaded. No, no. Uh, James killed by the sword. Paul beheaded because he was a Roman citizen. So he, Roman citizens, there was no torture in a certain way. So he was beheaded. And then, so God said, yes, it's time for them to go. And then when it came to Apostle John, Jesus, the beloved, Jesus said, leave him. Leave him. So God is able to say, leave him. Leave him. Leave him. Leave her. Leave her. Yes. He determines. Number five, Abimelech's deliverance from fornication was orchestrated by the Lord and not by chance. Genesis 26. There was a lady who said, oh, I'm strong. <clears throat> I told her, don't go and live with your, your, your beloved. Oh, pastor, I'm strong. I'm, I'm strong. As soon as she said I'm strong, I, I said, most likely you are doing it. Yeah. Uh, 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 fornication in walking. <laughs> I said, you are doing it because no one, I mean, I will not get up and say that. Who, who will say that I'm strong when God says flee? David said he was strong and we saw the results. That, uh, uh, Joseph didn't say he was strong and ran and he was able to survive. So to, to not fornicate is not because of you. It's God who has said you are not going to do it. There are some people who married virgins and they were proud. And the thing is that you didn't meet that guy. You didn't meet that lady. You didn't meet them. One of our pastors, she was floored by a choir um, a leader and she, she had sex with him. One of the choir leaders. She forced, um, like just cornered him. So it meant that there was no intervention. <laughs> there were meetings. Because Abimelech was not a Christian or like a, a follower of God. Let's, let's read Abimelech's story. Genesis 26. So Abimelech took Sarah, Abraham's wife, without knowing the truth. Otherwise, he would have died. Abraham pre uh, pretended that Sarah was his sister. So Abimelech said, this is a beautiful woman. I'll marry her. I'll be with her. So he put her down. Every night he will attempt to be with her and he will not succeed. Every night he will go to her, but nothing was rising up for any action. <laughs> then he wondered, I'm very strong. I take what Viagra those days, whatever the Viagra, I take these things, these bitters. I he will say, but God's supposed to get me. What's going on? But he didn't know that God's got her, not him. So he attempted, 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 and failed until he had dreams. And it, so it wasn't because he was a good man, but God intervened because of who it was. Because she needed to be the mother of many nations. Imagine she got pregnant by him. It just spoiled the plan of God. And Abraham journeyed. We're going to, uh, okay. 
uh, yeah, let's read it up to verse 6. And Abraham journeyed from thence toward the south country and dwelt between Kadesh and Shur and sojourned in Gerah. And Abraham said to Sarah, his wife, She is my sister. And Abimelech, king of Gerah, sent and took Sarah. But God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, Behold, thou art but a dead man. For the woman which thou hast taken, for she is a man's wife. But Abimelech had not come near her. And he said, Lord, wilt thou slay also a righteous nation? Said he not unto me, she is my sister? Even she herself said, he is my brother. In the integrity of my heart and innocency of my hands have I done this. And God said unto him in a dream, Yea, I know that thou didst this in the integrity of thine heart. For I also withheld thee from sinning against me. I withheld thee. Therefore suffered I thee not to touch her. Now therefore restore the man. And he goes on. So Abimelech's deliverance from fornication was orchestrated by the Lord and not by chance. So certain sins, those who have been able to escape fornication, all those things before marriage and all these things, don't take it that you are immoral. Or you, when you marry, you, you'll be surprised. You start committing adultery and all these things. Don't take it that you are moral. Just take it that God has saved you. And then people like us who were not able to get that uh, uh, thing until, uh, you understand, because when we're in the world, <laughs> just a whole level. Sorry? People like us. We're not able to uh, uh, handle that. But nevertheless, God is handling it now. I said God is handling it now. In Jesus' name. Praise God. But, so we must be careful. Anytime you see someone, you see a woman pregnant. But then you see the scholars, judge scholars. Ju you see scholars, judges. Judge Judy. Judge Matthias, Judge Matthew. Yeah, you see all these guys, all these judges, they come and start judging the person. Meanwhile, so imagine judging a woman who has a baby, pregnant, before marriage, and being judged. And the person who is judging was not caught because she aborted. And God is watching and listening. You can imagine how angry God will be. The one who is judging and making this person feel bad, at least this person is better in God's eyes than you. Why? Because they didn't abort. Yeah, so there are so many things that will be, will be wild. And many of the people, the judges, so someone who has aborted or has done some of these things should be praying and say, God, I, I, I thank you for helping this person not to do what I did. I respect this person. Of course, I will talk to the person and encourage the person not to do it anymore. To do better for God. But I thank God for... Yeah, that's how the person should be talking. But unfortunately, the church is full of judges. I heard when uh, uh, this guy, Jim Baker, one of these men of God, went to jail. The, the letters that Christians wrote. 
I hate you. I hope you rot in hell. It was only Billy Graham and one or two other people who went to see him, to encourage him. Hey, most likely those Christians who are saying that, who, you know what they are doing in their houses. Hey, the ones who judge the most are Christians. Someone mess up, messes up, makes a mistake, then we judge. Hmm? Meanwhile, the judges are supposed to be uh, 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 the devil. The devil, is, no, not when I say judges, though, Jesus is the righteous judge, the only judge. But the accusers, it's only the, the devil and his cohorts who accuse people, condemn them, make them feel bad. Why should Christians also be employed to do the bidding of the devil? Someone goes to commit murder or does something crazy. Do you know the circumstances behind it? We know that murder is evil, is sin. No problem. But don't judge the person, judge the sin. Because who knows, peradventure, if you were in the situation and you came home and you found your wife or your husband in bed in action, who knows what you would do? Maybe a temporary insanity. <laughs> of course, a Christian, there's nothing like temporary insanity in this case. You just deal with the, the, I mean, you, you do what you got to do. There's nothing about killing, but you're honest. Hallelujah. But imagine you are not a Christian. Christians are supposed to have self-control. I mean, temporary insanity, how? <laughs> Hallelujah. But there are so many things. Some people were born and, and raised under different circumstances. I mean, imagine those who are gangsters or who, who, who have a certain life. All they've known. I used to, I, I used to uh, uh, volunteer for the uh, Urban League. And the Urban League, the troubled kids who go there for counseling. And many of them, I said, don't you want to finish school, be a doctor, be a lawyer, be a plumber, be whatever? I have no time for that. I don't see anyone in my... The examples I see are drug addicts. I see baseball players. I see football players. And I said, how, how many of you who are sitting here are going to be football players? Why don't you go to school? That's all they see. So you see someone like that who is doing things they are not supposed to do. That is what they've seen. They don't know Christ. That is what they've seen. Don't judge them. Because you might be surprised. What do you think? Yeah. Amen. Number six. Hezekiah recovered from sickness by the intervention of the Lord, not by chance. You all know the story of Hezekiah. It was not by chance. God intervened. I said what? God intervened. Hezekiah, God said, imagine God has, a prophet has prophesied. Put your house in order. You are about to die. The sickness, yes, you, you, you are sick. You are going to die from this sickness. And then Hezekiah wept so. And then God said, okay, I will spare you. Just go and get some figs. Particular figs I'll show. And then put them together, mix them up, and then apply it to your boils. And you'll be healed. That's why I feel that most of the problems... You can get a herb, you can get some, some, I mean, when you eat, when you eat different vegetables, different fruits, Adam and Eve, it was vegetables and fruits, that was kept them. When you eat many of, of course, plus the tree of life, but when you eat 
a certain type of me, I'm sure there is, there is help in many of these things. This sour soap, this pomegranate, this, there, there, there is something in some of these things. Oh, I don't like it. fruits. I don't like vegetables. I don't like these things, so me, I'm okay. Hmm. <laughs> Number seven, Job experienced an attack of armed robbers, not by chance, because of a satanic invasion. Job 1, 12 to 15. Chance. So you realize that some of these things, you, you can have speed, you can have strength, it will just be brushed off. But with you and I, we will have the speed, we will have the strength, have all those things because God is backing us. So time and chance will not affect us because God is on the throne and he's with us. Then Hezekiah turned his face. For we are reading Job 1, 12 to 15. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he hath is in thine power. All. Imagine, everything he has is in your power. Everything. Only upon himself put not thine hand, for thine hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. You see, this explains how, what, how things happen in life. It means that someone to be, for someone to be sick, God allowed it. Now, with Job, he, his body was in, supposed to be intact. Everything else could be taken away. Most likely, Satan did not take away his wife because Satan knew that his wife would be useful to him. Because the wife started saying, why don't you curse God and die? And Job said, no, I will not, I will not do that. God is bragging on me. I am not going to curse God and die. Why are you talking like one of the foolish women? So that's why his wife was still around. But Satan killed every, all his children, killed, wiped out his business, cleared everything. And there was a day, okay, let's continue, verse uh, uh, 13, good. And there was a day when the sons of God, oh, sorry, and there was a day when his sons and his daughters were eating and drinking wine in their elder, eldest brother's house. And there came a messenger unto Job and said, the oxen were plowing and the asses were uh, uh, feeding beside them. And the Serbians fell upon them and took them away. Yea, they have slain with the, the they have slain the servants with the edge of the sword. And I only am escaped alone to tell thee. Now, as it goes on, you realize that the children died. His business died. Look, he lost everything. The only thing that was left was his house, his clothes, and his wife's. Everything was gone. Meanwhile, he was the richest man in the East. Most likely, the book of Job must be the one of the oldest books in the Bible. And it's most likely Moses who wrote the book of Job. He could have been a contemporary of Moses, the book of Job. So Moses knew him. Moses was a prominent man. Job was a prominent man. He was known, the richest man in the East, and he lost everything. Hallelujah. His business. Job experienced a fire that wiped out his business and killed his children. So before God allows something, it's not a small thing. God doesn't just allow anything to happen to you and I. No. 
Let's look at the next one. N number nine, the final. Job was not sick by coincidence. The sickness of Job was caused by satanic attack. Job 2, 3 to 8. Job 2, 3 to 8. And the Lord said unto Satan, so after, you see, after everything, Job lost everything. The Bible says that Job shaved his head. That, uh, uh, you remember, we talked about it in one of the crusades here. Shaved his head, tore his robe, put a sackcloth and ashes on as a, a sign of mourning. And then he said, naked had I come into the world, naked shall I leave. The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Who am I to judge? Blessed be his holy name. The only thing Job did was he cursed himself and cursed the day he was born. <laughs> that's all he did. He never said anything against God. But that's why he cursed the day. He cursed the day he was born. <clears throat> because the frustration is like, what have I done, God? I've saved you. I've done everything. Why have you done this to me? I can't curse you because I know you are God. But I can, I can bring my frustration upon myself and curse the day I was born. And the Lord said unto Satan, Has thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and eschewed evil? So it means that someone can lose everything, but it doesn't mean they are a bad person. Someone can lose everything, and other people will be saying to themselves, What, what evil has this person done? Apostle Paul, a, a, a snake, one of the poisonous snakes beat him. And then the people said, no, this man, he must have committed terrible crimes. No, it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that. Look at Job. And the Lord said, has that considered my servant Job, who is perfect and upright man, who feareth God and shuns evil, and still he holdeth fast his integrity, although thou movest me against him to destroy him without cause. And Satan answered the Lord and said, Skin for skin, yea, all that a man hath will he give for his life. But put forth thine hand now and touch his bone and his flesh and he will curse thee to thy face. You're going to verse 8. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, he is in thine hand, but save his life. So, so went Satan forth from the presence of the Lord and smote Job with sore boils from the sole of his feet unto his crown. And he took him a pot shed to scrape himself without and he sat down among the ashes. It was like destroyed. So this is important. Usually, certain sicknesses, so, so no one can be sick without God approving nevertheless there sometimes when when it is time to go and the person is going to go through sickness sometimes god takes people out most likely like cancer certain diseases when god allows satan to put cancer on someone in general not all the time it means it's the time it, that is what god is going to use to take the person out or that is what God is, has allowed Satan to put on the person to let the person go out, if that makes sense. I'm talking about those people who died of cancer. Those pastors, those Christians, all those ones. God did not want it. God permitted it for his good, but the person was going to die, and God allowed them to die that way by Satan putting forth his hand. But 
Sometimes God can allow a disease to come on someone which is life-threatening, which is one of the most aggressive forms of cancer, and the life will be spared. So God will say, touch, do not touch the life. You can give him the other person whatever disease. That's why Joel Austin's mother, with a great aggressive form of cancer, lived. Outlived the husband who was not okay. Is she still alive? Imagine. This was in the 80s. Aggressive. She was given a few months to live. Because God said, Satan, okay, I will show you that she's going to keep her integrity. You can touch the body, but the life will not be touched. And then God healed her. John Crouch, Paul Crouch. Paul, we didn't hear he had his cancer or anything. I didn't know. But John Crouch got a, a, a colon cancer. Was it colon cancer? One of the cancer, colon cancer. And God said, you can give the cancer, but the life will not be touched. The man died before him. So the fact that someone has a terrible disease does not mean that they will die. Because even though the disease usually takes people, it's God who determines who will live and who will die. So you and I, no matter what happens in the future, whether it's to someone we know, by the grace of God, not to us, always remember that God has the power to keep the life and to remove that disease in Jesus' name. Because it is he who decides. So he told Satan, touch, you can do whatever you want to the body. Just don't touch the, the life you save. And our lives will all be saved. Our lives are, we are not going now in Jesus' name. So in conclusion, we must therefore accept the revelation of Ecclesiastes 9.11. These seven factors are the common determinants of life on earth. Speed, strength, wisdom, understanding, skill, time, and chance are the seven commonest determinants. Speed, strength, wisdom, understanding, skill, wisdom, and chance are determining the outcome of many things indeed. Wow. It is important to know and understand the determinants identified by King Solomon. It is important to use these determinants to move our lives forward. To ignore the power of the determinants is to ignore what usually governs and controls life on this earth. The Bible is full of God's wisdom and direction for our lives. God's word is a prophecy that you and I will do well to take heed to. When you and I take heed to the beautiful scriptures, you and I will become wise indeed. 2 Timothy 3, 14 to 15. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Shall we stand to our feet? Determinants. Hallelujah. Let's just ask God to show us more grace and favor. Ask God to touch our lives. Father God, we pray for more grace and mercy. We pray that you give us good health, long life, prosperity, direct our lives. 
we know that you have a plan you have plans of good and not of evil to bring us hope in a future a good future a good hope an expected end lord so we rely on you for that we entrust our lives and everything we are and have into your hands for we know that you are the faithful god faithful god who is able to keep us thank you O god for these seven determinants we bless you O god in jesus name if you are watching and you don't know jesus christ as your lord and savior and you want to say pastor please pray with me i want to give my life to jesus christ i want to be born again i want my sins forgiven then i want you to repeat after me heavenly father i come to you in the name of jesus christ i confess that jesus christ is lord i believe that he died on the cross for my sins I believe that his blood was shed for my sins. I believe that God raised him from the dead. Lord Jesus, please come into my life. Lord Jesus, please come into my heart. Forgive me for all my sins. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. From today, I belong to Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving me. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving me. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, Amen. God bless you. God bless you till we meet again. God willing, may you have a merry Christmas and a prosperous, happy, favorable New Year. God bless you on social media. Shalom, shalom. And we welcome Pastor Elam. But just before we get to Pastor Elam.